This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice and, as always, brought to you by Matty Ice Media. It's Thursday. I hope everybody has had a great week. And anybody who listened to Monday's episode knows that I kind of bared my soul to the entire sneaker community, as it were. Uh, I've received some pretty positive feedback. I've received some hateful feedback. But, you know, ultimately, in the end, I have to press forward. And any hater that's out there, I really don't care about because there's always going to be a hater. So speaking of haters, the world of childbirth, and I've mentioned this before, and I want to talk about parenting a little bit as it relates to this story. Um, Former American Idol contestant and Broadway performer Saisha Mercado, I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, she has now had two children, two of her young children, taken from her by authorities in Florida within the past six months. Uh, my wife kind of let me onto this story, and the reason why it was kind of appalling was because child services took both of her children. And the first of which, having done a little bit of research, there's not as many details on this as I would like. Uh, this is not really a story that I can research to the point that I would a topic that's been out there for a while. Um, a lot of this is hearsay. A lot of this is what she has posted on social media and what others have. But I still want to highlight it because to me, as a parent, it's worth noting because there are some uh, complexities to the situation that are troubling to say the least. So apparently she and her husband or she and her a significant other, the father of her child, had a one-year-old who was switching from breast milk to solids. Um, I can tell you that feeding a child seems easy, but it's not as easy as it looks. Uh, you are trying to feed a child who can't really articulate what they like and don't like, who really doesn't understand the why about it. All, it, they, all that they know is that you are making them eat something because you know that they have to eat to keep their health up, to keep gaining weight, to keep gaining strength. But that switch from breast milk to even regular whole milk, I can't tell you what that was like for us when we switched. It was like, my son basically was like, I don't want this. You know, I don't know what this is. And he wouldn't drink his milk. It was really frustrating for a while. The solid food thing too, it's really difficult transition to make because not all kids necessarily want or like the new textures, the new tastes, the new flavors. You got to think about it this way. For six months of their life, they're eating nothing but liquid. And then you kind of get onto the pureed foods which have a, you know one texture. It's a pretty benign texture if you think about it. And then you're giving them whole foods. You're giving them things with crunch, things with squishiness to them, right? Some actual textures and flavors. And it's funny because most kids go through phases where they like and dislike foods. And you think to yourself, why is that? Why are they so finicky about the food that I'm giving them? And I saw it put this way. Things like crackers or cookies or you know anything that's like the pre-processed foods, they all taste the same every time we have them. But if you have blueberries, for instance, you can get tart blueberries, squishy blueberries, sweet blueberries, right? Sour blueberries. And that's really where the crux of the problem lies. So feeding a child isn't that easy. Not every kid is a big eater like some kids that you know. So they've made this switch. And from what I understand, they had a trip to the hospital because they were worried that their child was not making that transition correctly. They were worried about the nutrition levels of their child, the dehydration levels of their child. And they went to a doctor that has a known history for basically finding abuse problems where there are traditionally not abuse problems to the point that I guess an investigation was done and something like out of 100 cases, they found 12 or 15 cases that ended up being acquitted. And while you might think, well, that's only a 12, 12 or 15% error rate, 
In something that's really this significant, there should be no question. There should be no error. You should be erring on the side of caution unless you absolutely know that these people don't know what they're doing or are actively trying not to do what you know that they are supposed to do. And why do I bring that up? Well, in the first few days or the first month of my son's life, uh, he had drastic weight loss and we were just beside ourselves because we thought he was getting enough food. And it turns out he was not really eating well from my wife, right? He was not nursing and he was not thriving in that method. So we had to switch things up. We panicked a little bit because we thought to ourselves, how could we let this happen? We're the parents of this child. How could we let him get so malnourished that we don't even know? And that's the thing though, is you don't know, especially if it's your first child. You've not been through this before. There's really no manual that tells you how this is done. And I did an episode on that way, way back, probably in January because friends of ours were becoming new parents. And it's like, they don't hand you a manual on how to do this. Generally speaking, they hand you the baby and say, well, you know, good luck. And for something this significant, the amount of responsibility that comes with this, and you think, I don't get any help here. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing with this. And it's, it's a little frightening. So they go to the hospital to check on the welfare of their child because they, as good parents, think to themselves, what's going on? Something is not right and this is not working. We wanna make sure that our son is okay. So they are reported to child services who takes their child, their one-year-old. That child is still out of their custody right now. Uh, they were pregnant at the time, I believe, with another child who they had. So four days in, they are driving with their newborn, four days old. Like, think about that for a minute, four days. I can't tell you how early that is in the process. Like, it's four days, seems like four months, but four days old. Think about how little happens in four days, right? And how little that is in the microcosm of their life, or excuse me, the big picture of their life. And they are pulled over by police. They are pulled over because they quote unquote refused a welfare check earlier in the month. And by refuse, I mean they were told or told the people that came to come check on them to speak to their attorney, to speak to their lawyer. Because they'd already been through this with their other child, they did the smart thing and they made sure that they had legal representation in the event that something like this were to happen because they felt wrongfully accused of something that they didn't do. They felt wrongfully accused of abusing their child. Here's what I will tell you to anybody out there who's not a parent. Anybody can catch you on your worst day as a parent and assume that you're a crappy parent. Like parenting is hard. It's really, really difficult. It has its ups and downs. We all know this going in, but sometimes our kids are total turds and sometimes they're wonderful. And if you catch a parent on the days that their kids are just outright turds for no reason other than to just be overtly mean, and kids are like that, right? Even your own kids are like that to their parents. Um, and they see how you react to it. You're frustrated, you're lacking sleep. And they'd say, wow, that's an abusive parent right there. Or that's a terrible parent right there. If we were all caught on our worst days, if we were all caught on the worst day of our life or the most uh, you know, lacking, I don't even know, empathy day of our life, we would be seen as the worst person ever because first impressions last forever in a lot of cases. But this is a little bit different. To meet somebody on a bad day that they had and assume that they're not a good person, right? That's one thing. But to see these parents who take their child to the hospital not knowing what's going on because they're concerned about their child, because they're concerned about the welfare of their child, and then to assume that they are abusing this child, you can't take that off of their record. And what happens is their next child is automatically in the system and they were asked for a welfare check and they said, talk to our attorney because that's a smart thing to do. You wanna make sure that you are protecting yourself against the system because the system isn't always infallible. It's flawed in a lot of ways. And so they're driving, I believe 
back from a doctor's appointment or even to a doctor's appointment with their newborn and they're pulled over and the police have said because their refusal to do a wellness check they have to take their child and what ensued was basically an instagram live video of the entire encounter and i have to tell you it was calm so these are black parents and i think that is at the crux of the issue because i think this is where there might be an issue with this doctor and it's funny because I've had people tell me this. I've had people tell me that, you know, oh, I'm watching some show and every black mom that's on there always talks about her kids and never talks about a husband. That is such a tired narrative and it's such a in incorrect narrative. This idea that black fathers are absent as a whole. This idea that black people are incapable of having a true family in the sense of two parents to parent their children. Sure, it happens, right? There are a lot of black people or there are a number of black people who will don't have this. There's also a number of white people who don't have this too, right? I know a lot of them. I know a lot of single white parents who should never have had kids in the first place. And we're not legislating any of that. We're not legislating whether people should have parents. But man, are we so easily able to label a black parent as a bad father or a bad mother. And I think this is some, somewhat of an issue. Because I do wonder to myself with this doctor, of the 100 cases that they looked at, how many of them were white and how many of them were black? of the ones that they mislabeled as abusive. What are the demographic stats on that? I think it's worth noting. However, the reason I bring up the fact that they're black is because we have a police encounter. And I've always said that not every police encounter is created equal. And in this case, we had a very, very calm situation where the parents were so calm, more calm than I actually might have been, to be honest with you. Anybody who feels wrongfully accused of something, uh, they're allowed to be defensive because we again are on this place where we're trying to accuse people of everything. We are constantly looking for a way to cancel somebody, even if that person is genuinely good. We're waiting for a misstep, always. And here we are in the advent of social media where they're able to put this on Instagram Live for an hour. You're able to post an entire encounter with police about this situation with their child. And you know what? They didn't wanna give up their child and rightfully so because they're confused as to why this was even happening in the first place. So this doctor, who is supposed to be a professional of the highest order, is basically accusing or falsely accusing parents of abuse. I mean, that's a lot, right? This isn't, again, accusing somebody of something really, really minor that really doesn't have anything to do with their overall life outcome. You're accusing them of being abusive parents, and that gets the system, in quotes, involved. And that's really unfortunate because it's a stain that you can't get rid of. It's like being accused of anything. If you're accused of murder, if you're accused of rape, and ultimately you are innocent, and it comes out that you are innocent, that stain stays with you. This is where we are in today's world. The court of public opinion rules all, and it rules early. The judicial system isn't supposed to do that. The judicial system is supposed to be about innocent until proven guilty. Innocent until proven guilty. The court of a public opinion is guilty until proven innocent. Actually, it's guilty always many cases. In many cases, it's guilty always. Even somebody who has been acquitted, they'll find some way to say, oh, well, there's just, you know, it's the legal system, there's a loophole. They don't necessarily believe that somebody is, is innocent. And that's, I think, where we are today. The accusation a lot of times sticks. And we are trying to be so careful to not be accused of something. So for this doctor to feel as strongly as this, knowing that it's weaponized, right? When you're doing this, you are changing their lives forever as parents. And for the 80-something cases in which they were right, it doesn't justify the 12 to 15 cases that they were wrong. 
And those parents of, in those cases in which they were wrong and acquitted will always have to deal with this. The stain of being labeled as bad parents will always be with them. And I think about it in my own life. I think about it in my own journey as a parent, right? If I went to this doctor when our son had lost like three quarters of a pound because we didn't know he wasn't getting enough, would we have been labeled as bad parents? And what would that have meant for us? Because I try every day to be the best parent I can be. I do. It's not easy though. Parenting is not easy in and of itself. It really, really isn't. Some days I struggle. Some days I struggle with being patient with my son, knowing that my son really doesn't know better than what he's doing, right? When my son hits me in the groin and it really hurts, he didn't do it necessarily on purpose. He doesn't know what empathy is at his young age yet. To not get frustrated, right? To not get frustrated when he turns over a piece of toast on the table and gets the jelly all over the table. He doesn't know, right? He's learning why. He's learning these things. But I, as a parent, have to be the bigger person. It's not easy all the time. It's not easy to keep that patience. And your kids test you at every turn. So what would have happened, right? But I look at this situation and I think, here's two parents who seemingly are trying to do the right thing. And they're trying to do the right thing in every avenue, right? They're defending themselves legally the way that they should. They are protecting themselves legally the way that they should. And when encountered by police and confronted by police, which by the way, the situation that police are going to take somebody's newborn, like that scares me a little bit because you're, you're we're not giving them the child services whose child services job is to protect children. Police's job is to enforce the law. It's to protect and serve. And we already have questions about that as it relates to, you know, violence in this country anyway. Not all cops are created equal. Not all cops are created evil necessarily. But we do have a systemic sort of feeling about policing right now. And think about handing over as a black couple in this country your newborn baby to police right there's an inherent distrust that is related there there's an inherent distrust that exists mainly because we know that there is a systemic issue that is related to it they may or may not in their life have had an incident with police that would make them feel distrusting and you're going to hand over a newborn they're saying we're going to take it to the hospital and they implored can we take it you can escort us there if you want but can we take our child to the doctor, right? Can we take our child to the hospital? Because what the police are saying is that they're gonna take it to the hospital to do a wellness check. And it's like, okay, but we just, we, we know that this baby's healthy. We've been taking it to the doctor. Cause when you have a newborn, you take it to the doctor like every day for the first week, it seems. It's almost about that frequent because they need to check things because things happen very fast. Babies can gain and lose weight very, very quickly in that time period. And they're looking for babies to thrive. They're looking for newborns to thrive. And once you hit a certain threshold or a certain point, your baby's okay. They're just going to keep gaining weight. But that first week is extremely critical. So those parents have probably gone to the doctor every day since that child was born. And four days after a baby is born, the woman, right, is in such trauma still. Her body is in so much trauma. It's a huge amount of trauma. And I talked about that last week to give birth mentally and physically. And then all of a sudden this is thrust upon them. They're absolutely surrounded by police. And it's just really, really sad. But it goes to show you that we are making a lot of assumptions about people in general. And we have to be so careful about how it is that we go about and action these assumptions. These two parents are going to fight tooth and nail for their children. They've now had two children, and they have neither of them because of a mislabeled situation. At least we think it's a mislabeled situation, right? Again, Knowing what we know, knowing that the doctor involved is highly sensitive to these issues, oversensitive to these issues, and also knowing how difficult it is to parent, knowing how difficult it is to have your child lose weight and not know what's going on. It'd be a little bit different 
if their child was starving and malnourished and they weren't doing anything about it, they weren't sure what to do about it. I can tell you too, as a parent, we'll go to our doctor's visits or we'll read something and it'll be like, oh, you can start doing this at you know this many months. And it's like, man, I wish somebody told me that, but there's nobody there to tell you that. There's nobody there to hand you this guide or manual into how to do this stuff. It's not easy at all. And we're expecting these parents to be perfect or this doctor is expecting these parents to be perfect when they on their high perch are what? Do they have even have kids? Are they somebody who didn't make mistakes as a parent? Because I can tell you that every parent makes mistakes, every single one of them. Hell, I'm probably gonna make a mistake with my kid today. It's probably gonna happen. He's gonna accidentally eat something he wasn't supposed to eat. He's gonna put something in his mouth that he wasn't supposed to eat. He's gonna drop something on himself. He's gonna fall and hit his head. Who knows? We as parents try to prevent as many bad things from happening as possible, but it's nearly impossible to do. It's nearly impossible to do because being a parent is hard. So I feel for this situation and I really feel like people need to come to the aid of these two. Because to me, it sounds like we are falsely accusing people of being bad parents when in and of itself being a parent is hard. And it's one thing if you wanna accuse for one child, but the system marks and then basically you're in a place where every child that you have from there on in is part of the system. Children being a part of the system is something we should want to avoid, right? Why, why, are we not letting this, why are we not letting this situation play out with this first child? Instead, we're going to make an assumption that these people are bad parents, so we're going to take away a newborn. I mean, you can say what you want about how often it is they're having kids, they have a one-year-old or you know a 14-month-old and they're having another newborn. That's their life to live, right? Everybody makes choices. I know plenty of good parents who decided to have kids one right after the other, knowing that they were supposed to or it's better for a woman's body to wait. But that's not anybody else's decision to make but theirs. It's not your decision to make. And quite honestly, I'm just a little bit scared for these people and I want them to get their child back because I can't even imagine what it would be like if I had my child taken away from me. It would be horrifying. And I would be so scared trying to figure out what is it that I did wrong? Where is it that I went wrong? Can I fix any of this? And a lot of times it's so difficult because we can't fix it. Like. You can't go back and undo something that you did as a parent. You just have to try and do your best to go forward. And again, we're always going to make mistakes. And this applies to life too. When you see somebody struggling, I've said this many times, don't make an assumption about why it is they're struggling, especially not on the way that they look. If you see a single black mother, don't necessarily think it's because the man's a loser or she just doesn't know how to like keep it in her pants or something like that. There could be a lot of situations that go on there. Perhaps her husband died. Perhaps the father of that child died. Perhaps the father of that child is in the military. Perhaps there is a completely reasonable explanation as to why you don't see a father in this particular scenario or why they are a single parent. But here's the thing. If you're going to make an assumption about a single parent, keep that same energy for when you see a white single parent. Why are they single, right? Why do they have more than one child and are single parent? Hell, I dated somebody in college who has two children from two different fathers she's white she's about as white as you can get right and it is what it is people are not allowed to tell you that you can and can't have kids right we can't legislate that it's illegal to do so but not every single parent is created equal and not every parent who has a bad day or who makes a mistake with their child is an abuser i think it's important to talk about if you're a parent listening to this i bet you can go back in your mind and think to yourself right the annals of your mind and think to yourself, I can name off 10 or 12 ways in which I made a mistake as a child, as a parent. And you know what? My child's okay. But if somebody caught me on that day and was making an assumption, they would think that I'm the worst parent ever. 
and we shouldn't be doing that. And so I pray for this you know, situation. I pray that they get their children back and I pray that their name is cleared and that this doctor is held accountable for all of the false accusations that they've made. And I think that's the other part of this that we need to talk about more is this doctor. Why is this doctor allowed to have so much power over these parents? Being a parent is already the most helpless feeling sometimes. And then these doctors sometimes are trying to dictate to you what you should and shouldn't do. Yes, they have knowledge that we don't have but they're not all created equal. Not every doctor is created equal either. I think the most famous thing that I ever hear when it relates to this is, what do you call somebody who is last in their class at medical school? You call them a doctor. So they don't always have to be at the top of their class and not every doctor is necessarily the best doctor out there, but I hope this doctor is taken to task over this. I hope they investigate to the point that there are consequences because it seems to me that there is a pattern for this doctor that's a little bit troubling and you're potentially ruining the lives of parents from that moment on. As soon as you make that accusation, it sticks and you can't take it back. And so just think before you act. Hope everybody has a great week. I'm going to be on vacation next week. I have not yet decided if I'm going to put out episodes or not. I'm erring on the side of no because everybody needs a break. We're going to go to the beach. It's a vacation that I haven't taken in two years. We skipped it last year due to the pandemic. And quite honestly, I'm so looking forward to this. And I think it will be best for me to just sort of take my mind off of the show, both shows, and take a little bit of a break. I hope you stick with me through the break. And I hope that you too are taking some type of a break and a vacation before this summer is over because it's going to be very quickly wintertime. We're all hermits in the wintertime. And it's going to be a lot harder to go out there and do things that you know that you want to do. So I appreciate everybody's time for sure. And I'm going to enjoy this vacation and drink an obscene amount of Bud Light Lime, which, by the way, is the only time that I drink it is at the beach because I could never just drink it just to drink it at the beach, though. It tastes perfect. And I'm going to drink a lot of them because I deserve this vacation. I've worked hard. And quite frankly, I've closed off my life so much during this pandemic that I think it's good to get out there, get a little bit of that fresh beach air. So I will see you when I get back. But before, check out other episodes of the show and all the shows on MattyIceMedia.com. We're putting in so much work, folks. We're really, really do, trying to do what we can to entertain you as much as possible and to make you think as much as possible. Uh, check those shows out. Subscribe to all of them. Rate and review when possible. It means a lot to the show. Connect with me. Soulfully Casual Podcast on Instagram for sure is where you can hit me up. MattyIceMedia is one word at gmail.com is definitely another place you can find us email us about any of the shows if you want to be on the show if you want to participate in a show we're open to any and all ideas so take care everybody have a great weekend have a great week if i don't hear from you and i will see you on the other side the opinions and views expressed in the show are solely that of maddie ice and not necessarily those of maddie ice media the Soulfully Casual podcast is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.